Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Spoke, the all-new and exclusive podcast series with me, Chidera, a.k.a. The Slumflower. Me, Sully Breaks, poet, writer, spoken word, artist, etc., etc. Where we discuss issues at the heart of youth culture and how music and literature are shaping the conversation. Okay, so we felt that the way we dealt with Kanye West's breakdown earlier this year raises some very serious issues about how we perceive mental health in general. Even though mental health is still very much a taboo subject when it comes to those in the public eye, stories of celebrity breakdowns and mental health disorders are sensationalised, giving those suffering no chance to heal. So in this episode, we're talking about mental health, the facts, the fiction and the effects of fame. You are in for such a treat. This is our first ever episode of Spoke Podcast. And it's such an exciting and fascinating conversation that you're going to be able to witness because you know how it is with discussing difficult and fragile things. It needs to be with people who have lived the experience and are clued up. We are joined by two incredible, exciting, talented people. Oh my gosh, I can't. I actually can't. I can't. You heard that laugh. If you recognise that laugh, that was Monroe. We've got Monroe Bergdorf in the studio right now. And sat next to her is Poppy Ajuda. Two icons. I'm actually shaking. You can't see me, but I'm shaking. This is major. Nah, she's really shaking. Pi- yeah. she is. She's, vibra- she's vibrating my I'm literally, chair even. Yeah. Like, I, can feel, I can feel the tremors. Thank you for your moral support. It's cool. I'm here, man. He's I'm hoping you up, Do you know what I mean? You. We need that energy more in life. It's a pivotal <laughs> moment. So, Poppy, do you want to introduce yourself? Hey, yeah, I'm Poppy Ajuda. I'm a musician from South London. She's being modest. She's being so modest. This I mean, girl, yeah. We don't want modesty here, guys. No <laughs> modesty. behavior. You no, know, push yourself. Poppy's, if you, need, if you don't know about Poppy, she did a Colors Berlin video, and it's absolutely sick, where she basically performed live in front of a really amazing green screen, and the colors are amazing, the <laughs> styling is so on point. You're giving it all away. Girl, but and that's that the magic And that new Nike advert. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. How can you not mention the Nike? I'm, I'm just a musician from South London. Like, come on, man. Say it with your chest. She's, she's been on Tom Mish's projects. Like, you might have heard her pretty much everywhere. Can you imagine if in my bio I just was like reeled off all the like, <laughs> Yes. So, pretty much, I expect you to, after hearing this, go out of your way to look for Poppy 
and support her work because she's iconic and she's <laughs> going to be causing a lot of trouble and I mean the good kind of trouble and speaking and the of bad kind of trouble yeah oh, girl yeah. we love a troublemaker <laughs> and speaking of causing trouble we have another troublemaker in the room her name is Munro Bergdorf yay girl you want to tell us about the trouble you've been causing <laughs> oh god google me <laughs> I like you actually like have to google that. her yeah that subtle stunt that's how you do it I like that that's um, how you do it it's subtle you know what I mean yeah I, I just I, I don't mean to cause trouble. That's not what I mean to oh. do. But it seems to kind of follow me. And in, in the good sense, I think, recently, um, I did have a bit of a crazy year last year where a lot yeah. happened that I wasn't kind of... Um, I didn't foresee happening. Um, but now it's more about dissecting that and why that happened and how we can use it as a teachable lesson, teachable moment for um, speaking about diversity and inclusion. Yeah. Absolutely. They say, the darkest night comes before the sun rises. Always. Was that right? Always, ah, cool, always. Cool, cool. If you don't know what Monroe was talking about, basically Monroe was part of a L'Oreal campaign and she spoke out against racism in the most blunt and clear way. And unfortunately, it was used against her in a series of smear campaigns, including, you know, her appearing on This Morning, is it no, Good Morning Britain, mm-hmm. with Piers Morgan essentially gaslighting her and she held her own so well. Until this day, well, till this day, I still yeah, go back to watch yeah. that interview and it gives me the energy that I need to move through a world that has been built on institutionalized racism and I really mm. appreciate that you did that because you don't realize that you ran so that people like me could fly like you don't Ooh, understand the kind of wow. energy honestly <laughs> that energy was that energy was so needed Thank and you don't you. understand how much you changed the way that people have conversations about race mm-hmm. because people are terrified of it and for you to do that you put yourself in the firing line and you should never have to do that but you did that and I'm sure you <laughs> it was a really hard period because even yeah, watching it, it was really hard so I couldn't even imagine being in that position and from that you've been able to turn it around for yourself and so for anybody regardless of whether they relate to what you're talking about or not they're able to see a living breathing success story that continues to shift and change and evolve constantly like you've been able to own your story entirely and that is so mm. important I want Seriously. you at my funeral yeah. can, can you imagine my parents brought me for a funeral <laughs> I'm writing your obituary in girl already, in it, put, in it. actually can I ask you a question regarding that before we go into it else uh-huh. so were you did you obviously everyone knows how Piers is you know what I mean like he's not the most favourable person in my opinion anyway yeah I always feel like if Piers calls me I'll be like nah I'm not you know what I'm what, gave, what, what, what was it like well primarily force? primarily I believe that we need to debate with people that don't think the same thing as us otherwise we don't get anywhere we'll we just talk, kind yeah. of it's just we, we would just be operating in our own private rooms and the world still turns as it is so I'm and I, I just wanted to show the world exactly where we're at essentially when it comes to speaking about race um, yeah. that um, largely um, white people don't have to speak about it if they don't want to but black people still need to all people of colour still need yeah. to live that existence so it's almost like in not speaking about it, we're just doing it for the comfort of the majority. Yeah, like which preaching to the choir, essentially. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, it was always going to go that way. And yeah. I think <laughs> when you're having a debate with someone, you need to be researched on how they think. And mm. I already, I knew what Piers was going to do. Yeah, exactly. That's so what I was wondering. Yeah. You held your own Like, so well. there was no way that I was going to get riled because... I already knew how it was gonna go. Yeah. And the more that he got worked up, the more it just showed the problem. 
So I just kind of like sat there and allowed him to take it personally when it wasn't (laughs) anything about him and just allowed the conversation to play out like it is in society, really. I think it was like a micro version of a macro problem. Of course. Was that scary to go into that space knowing that... I'm not scared of peers. (laughs) (laughs) No. No, I mean, it's daunting because I didn't have the profile then that I do now. And like now I kind of believe in myself a lot more. Mm -hmm. And when I go onto a television program, I know what I'm capable of. I'm there to do it. So I'm going to do it. And I don't second guess myself. But at that that point in time, I had the whole country and world really kind of looking at me, like kind of waiting for me to stumble, waiting Mm. for me to say something else, waiting for me to put my foot in it or whatnot. And they didn't know the kind of person that I was. So they didn't have that reference of intelligence, that reference of education, um, of self-belief, empowerment. They just thought that I was an angry black woman like the media painted me out to be. Mm. So um, now I'm much less daunted than mm. I was then, but it wasn't so much because I'm scared of peers. Yeah. Mm. I'm not. <laughs> mm. Speaking of fear and daunting and putting yourself in an environment where you're essentially in the firing line, it often means that nobody thinks about your mental health and nobody actually considers that behind all these words is a person a breathing Mm -hmm. person who's more than just a statement that they've put out out there into the world and so basically for those that know how this show is going to work is that every single time we have a guest on they come with an item that they're going to use to discuss their standpoint it could be a book it could be a documentary it could be something like a story they've heard it could be a film it could be anything and so Poppy and Monroe have both brought items with them. Poppy, do you want to talk about your item? What have you brought with you today? Yeah, so I am really into James Baldwin. I've been reading a lot of him recently and I really like the poems he writes. They inspire a lot of my writing. Um, So I was just kind of researching around his work and I guess someone who is like a really powerful person who spoke about really political things and is seen as someone very strong. Mm. And I kind of was doing some research and and something came up in the Poetry Foundation about... um, like the suicide notes of of James Baldwin, and it was like mm. it it retold a story of of him being at like a party with Billie Holiday performing to some friends, and his boyfriend and him and him his boyfriend weren't doing well, and it was because his boyfriend had said he was leaving and going to Paris, and and I think what the kind of article said was that that the, these kind of situations happened a lot with James in his life with with relationships and um it it recounted him kind of attempting suicide and then realizing in those moments that he actually really wanted to be alive but that that happened a lot in his life and that he went back and forth with those feelings and i thought it was just really interesting because i didn't know that about him and you know yeah Yeah, all of you kind of your idols or people that you you find inspiring you think are this pinnacle of of strength and you never assume that they have the thoughts or feelings that you might have to do with mental health and it yeah i just thought it was quite uh i guess humanizing in a sense yeah yeah and i think why that story really shakes me i never knew that he attempted suicide at all it's because if you look at the way james baldwin is referenced now Mm. He's seen as this cultural anchor, this icon who was speaking out at a time when it wasn't okay to speak up. And he spoke up with so much tenacity and boldness and conviction Mm. that you think that someone with that kind of strength is surely very, very secure in their self and is sure of their message. And even the way he speaks, like when you hear him, when you watch videos of the way that he projects and the way that he talks to an audience is like, 
when I try and talk about political things in my songs or at shows, I, I, don't, I can't imagine performing to that extent of this is what I have to say and this is how I'm going to say it and I really believe in myself. So question to you guys, do you feel like his position and what he represented kind of contributed to that, to that, to that, that aspect of him, you know, that fame? Because we can always argue that as people being on a certain pedestal and having these responsibilities thrust upon you, does that inherently, does it inherently come with the territory? Is that like the necessary evil of being someone mm. who is an ambassador or representation? Or yeah, you know what I mean? Do you feel like that's yeah. a consequence? I mean... I think definitely to an extent. Um, I think the problem with what we do sometimes is that there's not necessarily a reference point because mm. we are doing us, if you know what I yeah, mean. Yeah, speaking like, from the perspective of an activist. Exactly. We're, we're speaking about our own personal experiences and you can't really all the time relate that to a job like yeah. kind of description <laughs> yeah. it doesn't end and you never switch off and your hours are all over the place people look up to you people hold you to an esteem that you aren't necessarily capable of fulfilling half yeah. the time <laughs> and it's it's just it's quite difficult and that's why activist burnout is such a big thing and like why activist yeah. burnout yeah and like me and Chidera were talking about this as mm-hmm. well like when I was texting her on the way literally here literally I was like babe because <laughs> oh, Monroe yeah. was running late I like, may have yes. overslept <laughs> I overslept and then Monroe was texting me apologising to me and I was like look don't apologise okay because me and Monroe have the same manager and I was like saying to Monroe that I was literally having a meltdown to Kim our manager yesterday saying that I'm literally burnt out I can't do this these early start times and late night finishes are killing me mentally and I'm mm. going to become ill and obviously Kim can't do much because these are commitments that I agreed to in the past and yeah. sometimes especially as an activist you feel compelled to say yes to a lot of things because you know mm, there's yeah. a greater purpose behind it but then when it creeps up on you and you're tired you're fighting between having to show up but also For having sure. to st- take yeah, care of yourself yeah. And For just, sure. yeah, like a few days before, I think you're one, so we all had one at different points. I was messaging my manager like, don't call me, I'm so stressed. <laughs> and it was just before fashion week and I was just like, oh my God, so many things to do. I'm like planning a million things. And it's like, yeah. you have that moment where everything feels like it's on top of you. Definitely. I've got much better recently at <laughs> knowing when I need to pull back. Mm. How do you know when you need to pull back, Monroe? <sighs> Well, I mean, I just try to see patterns and patterns of my behaviour or patterns of people trying to take the mickey. I can't commit financially, emotionally, physically, Mm -hmm. mentally to this project if I'm not getting anything back. And if I'm not getting anything back, then I'm not going to commit to it. So, um, And knowing your value is really important. Knowing your value, knowing your worth, knowing your boundaries, Mm. knowing how much you can commit. Um, And just, I don't know, I'm a year deep into like doing it at this level now. And I was doing it, but at a much lesser level before. And like now I feel like I can cope with things in a way that I just couldn't before. Mm. And it is a resilience, but it's a conscious resilience. It's not like, you know, developing a thick skin because I've been abused. It's it's really kind of taking action over Mm. how um, I exist within my own space. Agreed. Poppy, what are your... 
What are your signs when you know that burnout is coming? How can you tell burnout is about to happen to you? Because you're a musician, but also you're every. I've been seeing you at so many fashion shows. You're out here doing campaigns. You're literally just being pulled in so many different directions. You're, you're, the, you're the equivalent of booked and busy. But a lot of people, a lot of yes. people romanticize that term, but booked and busy often means burnout. It be, means stressed. <laughs> it means anxious most of the time. I think. I think if you're an ambitious person and you're a creative who loves to do a lot of things, you're inspired by a lot of things, you want to do all of those things. It's like you, you love your work and I think mm. that's what's really difficult when you were saying about there are, there are no work hours. It's like mm. if you were employed by someone, it would be illegal the amount that you're working because mm. you're without breaks, you know, like that kind of oh, thing. Oh, a word. Can you that's imagine? That's so true. Like, and and no, there's no one to regulate it and everyone wants you to do as much as possible and I think... Yeah, I think it's just being really aware of yourself and like you said, knowing when you're at that point where you're too anxious or you... Because I think everyone everyone uh, experiences mental health in different ways and yeah. everyone does experience it, I think, is the point. And I think even before doing this podcast, I hadn't... I've ne- It's not something I've ever talked about. I talk about, like, race, gender, sexuality. I've never talked about mental health because I think it's something that I've always viewed as, like, a point of weakness is when I'm at my mm. weakest and I'm, like... Mm feeling anxious before going to an event yeah. because I I don't won't know anyone there and I've got a network and I, it's like I think I'm like why do they even want me there anyway yeah. because of who am I and it's like that moment between like getting out of your house yeah. and being at the event yeah. and being like I and just have to get up. here yeah, yeah. and then it's fine in itself. Yeah. you're in a mm-hmm. constant state of performance and everyone has and everyone has it and it's about like I guess how you deal with it and if and if you have support and if you have someone to like be like no go you're like you're great or whatever mm-hmm. it is for me I've always seen it as like something that gets in the way of me doing what I want to do and I and I always think back to something that my mum said is that um don't ever let fear stop you from doing anything yeah and fear isn't real like fear isn't something that is is tangible it's just in your head and if you let it stop you you won't you won't do what you want to do sure I've got something to add to this actually Mm. I am a huge self-sabotager or, or self-saboteur self-saboteur I'm happier being a self-saboteur than a self-saboteur so can you explain what a self-saboteur <laughs> is um, for those who don't know so I think a self in my definition of a self-saboteur is when things are going well and you're just like things are going a little bit too well let's spice it up yeah. a little bit let's throw a spanner in the works <laughs> and like I do it with who I allow back into my life. Oh, the sea. Mm. This is my relationship with cisgender men. No, no, it's my Why relationship with cisgender men. I'm, to be honest, I feel like I'm a much better person when I'm in a relationship with a woman than I am in a relationship yeah, with a man. The As the me. only man on, on, in, on, yes, the, on the table right now. So um, when you say cisgender men, for people who may yes. not be yes. tiny and so what does that we... word mean? So cisgender is um, basically, in layman's terms, the opposite of transgender. So you you identify as the gender that you're assigned with at birth. So if you were um, assigned male at birth and you still identify as a male, then you're cisgender man. Cool. So you would be a cisgender. Oh, okay, cool. So yeah. I'm the problematic one. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the pro- you're pro- problematic one. Well, your intersection category. is highly problematic. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm not saying you are. I'm just saying yeah. your people are. I don't take, a, no, I don't take offense because I agree. To. So I'm not bothered. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. So basically, um, I kind of feel sometimes that when things are going too well, I'll either be like oh let's go out and get completely smashed and then Make deal with picking up the pieces the following week when you've got x y z and a b c mm. d e f g 
H O J K L M O P stuff to do, and um, it just doesn't. And then I, then the burnout starts. I can cope with things if I look after myself. Of course, but in looking after myself, I need to really process everything going on. And sometimes it's easier to not process it and go out and sabotage because you don't need to deal with it then. <laughs> so, do you think the kind mm. of answer to that is noticing when you're doing that and being like, no, yeah. stay home. Yeah, not text that sure. <laughs> I mean, last night, last night I was invited to three parties. Jeez. And I was like, no, I've got a 10 a.m. call time. I need to be up on time. Oh. So I watched American Horror Story and, and I loved it. And I still woke up late because I'm jet lagged. But do you know what I mean? So like, I w- I'm still here, but yeah. I would probably wouldn't have been here if I'd gone out and I was jet lagged. It's a better situation if I'm just looking at my own behaviour mm-hmm. and analysing what I'm doing. Speaking of you, what item did you bring with you today? So I bought, I was going to bring my documentary, but I thought about the documentary that really made me want to get into documentary. What's your documentary called? The documentary is called Paris is Burning. Cheap. Oh, okay. yeah. Oh, and my documentary is called What Makes a Woman. It's out now Channel on four. Channel 4. On demand. <laughs> Um, so I bought. Could um, you elaborate on the Paris is Burning? Yeah, for yeah. Those I of bought not... Paris is Burning. It's a documentary about um, trans ball culture in the 1980s, trans vogue ball culture in the 1980s. Um, and anyone that doesn't know what a vogue ball is, is basically um, events that are thrown. They're kind of like parties, but they're more um, performance. Um, Events. I don't know. How would you explain the yeah. vocal? It's, it's difficult. Like, people go to um, a venue and they essentially battle it out dancing. Um, kind of a, reminds me of Soul Train. Like stomp the yard. Yeah. In a, no. in a, well, well, yeah, it's a very specific <laughs> kind of dance. It's a kind of like, expressive. But I it's think it's really about difficult. having attitude yeah. and it's about, it's, like, yeah. performing. And, and There's different categories. Yeah. So oh. there'll be, like... Sex Siren, there'll be Vogue Femme. It's basically largely frequented by um, LGBT people of colour. Oh, okay. And um, this one is set in the 80s in New York, um, where Vogue culture originated and um, became what it is today. Um, And it really was my first example of how futile the trans experience can feel and how isolating and frustrating you can feel. Um, and there's a there's a monologue performed by um, a transgender woman called Dorian Corey. And um, she says something, I, I'm probably going to misquote it because I haven't watched it in a while, but she says, if you shoot an arrow and it goes real high, then hooray for you. And I just felt like that, really has always stuck with me and I didn't realise how much that has affected me until oh my god I feel like I'm going to cry again <laughs> let it out let I, it out it's therapy <laughs> man she's I, always got the tissues don't worry I, I was in New York last week and there was a drag performer performing um, Robin's song Monument which is like a huge song for me um, it was just it came out in a really difficult time during my transition and I've always related to that song in my darkest days and um 
they performed a lip sync of Dorian Corey's monologue from Paris is Burning within the um, middle eight um, wow. instrumental bit. And you, you know that bit? Yeah. Like, the, like it, it, it just really got to me. And I was crying in front. I was sat behind Nicki Minaj for starters. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was just like crying and all of my makeup was going all down my face. And I was just like, wow, I didn't know how much this film meant to me because I realised at that point that I'm living the dream of what they wanted. That they wanted something where Mm. them being trans isn't a big deal. It's just part of who they are. And there's a um, transgender model called Octavia Saint Laurent. And she's just like, I just want something more. Um, I I want to be someone. And... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. It just makes me so thankful that I'm living in this time. I'm not going to cry. <laughs> it just makes me so thankful that I'm living in this time and that I've got these opportunities and that I can be who I want to be and that we as a society have gotten to the point where they would be proud if, of me. Mm-hmm. And these are my, you know, these are the people that paved the way for me. Oh. Yeah, so, and also it that whole film just shows how frustrating being trans can be and how isolating it can be. What's so important about what you've shared today, Munro, is that a lot of people don't understand that you're not just fighting for yourself, you're fighting for a community of people who are told daily that they're not allowed to exist. But what's the most frustrating is that people don't understand that if the person next to you is not free, then neither are you. And so this is a conversation that involves all of us. It's not just for Mm -hmm. a small fraction of the world. Mm. And also, I think what people don't know about you as well is that you are the most gentle, loving person and that you look out for everybody who's in your vicinity. I remember when I was going through a tumultuous period where I was, you know, having issues with my agent and I was like, I don't have a manager, I don't know what to do. You introduced me to your manager and you literally sat me down and you were like, don't worry, this is how to do it. I'm going to introduce you to my publicist. We're going to do all this together. You're not alone. And that made me feel like in this industry, there's someone out there who is looking out for me because, Mm. fam, we're both black. We're both women. You could have easily been like, well, you know, we both stand for similar things. We're both activists. You, I don't like, want to... She could have so easily could have, and that like, would have I, been I don't want to share my manager's, mm. like, work Right. Life. Yeah. yeah. Like, that... Monroe is out here. Like, you That's put amazing. me it in It doesn't make sense to me. Like, for me, feminism is sisterhood. And it's it's recognising that, you know, there's, there's not another you. So no yeah. one's your competition. Absolutely. And if anything, you know, you need to with people that are doing something similar you've got an opportunity to learn from that person you've got an opportunity to you know bask in that person's strength and provide them strength when they don't have the strength that they need and they can do the same for you so i mean i don't view anyone as my competition because there's not another me there'll never be another me 
and you know there'll never be another you or you or you and there doesn't need to be and once you start viewing other people as your competition you've already done yourself a disservice do you reckon that's part of why a lot of celebrities end up in positions where they have meltdowns publicly because they probably don't have people in their corner who are fighting for, sure. for them. Like I Kanye, mean, like Britney. One of the things I would love to speak about, and I love her so much. I love her. I think she's amazing. She's an amazing artist and what she's done for female rap is incredible. But I think that we should talk about Nicki Minaj. Ooh. Let's talk about it. Queen because, Radio. Because there's a lot. There's I, a lot. There's a lot. of moving yeah. parts. And like, you heard her on radio recently, right? Her yeah. radio station, Queen Radio. Yeah. yeah. So for those who don't know, what's happened with Nicki Minaj? Okay. So obviously, um, the album came out and it didn't hit number one. It's called Queen. In America, yeah. Yeah, it didn't hit number one in America. And it's a great album. There's amazing songs on there. But I just feel that the way that she reacted to it not going to number one was very, very, very defensive, which very. is fair enough because your album is mm. your baby. Talking about Travis Scott and that, yeah, 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 yeah. Stormy and, and Kylie, like, that's right. Oh, so yeah. Dragging everyone yeah. into it. And then <laughs> the whole Cardi thing happened. And then yeah. there's the whole way that she doesn't really bring other female rappers yeah, into, Remy Ma was into the that. fold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. I just feel like she just shouldn't be even threatened because there's no there's not another Nicki Minaj and there never will be and there never will be it's just like you know there will never be another little Kim there'll never be another Trina mm-hmm. you know all of the, there'll never be another Missy Elliott and I don't know I feel like as a society and especially as women we need to really start recognising our worth because I feel really if Nicki Minaj really recognised her worth mm. instead of saying I'm the greatest I'm the best I'm the best and then trying to you know shut out yeah. other people I really feel that she would benefit from having all of these girls around her because they all look up to her but how do you how do you then consider like her mental state when she's got millions of people saying to her oh but Cardi was better on here well, this Cardi's verse thing. was better than this, this now, is society, on a mental level like, you know what I mean women against yeah. each other and I yeah. really feel that yeah so I, I think that Nikki's amazing but I just feel like you know the industry has got to her Poppy you're a musician right yeah. so you'll be able to impart some knowledge on how because I feel like like you said about the industry getting to her do you reckon maybe because possibly her label has tried to shape her in a way where she's seen as the baddest and the best to ever do it that she's not allowed to have any elbow room anymore. I think in part, that's definitely going to be the case. But I think also as most labels are, are run and, and hosted by mostly men, if we did know our value and if we did support each other and realise that if we had that support from each other like you guys have, yeah. that when you're in a situation where you're not doing well, you can, you can always have that, then yeah. everyone's mental health would be better anyway. And I think in the music industry, it is hard when you're not, naturally surrounded by a lot of women yes so you know so you so you do feel in competition with other female rappers or other female singers or whatever it is yes and that's one of the reasons why i'm independent because i don't so then i can choose my circle and having people like Geldem around me of course who i can work with and be friends with and have that support which i didn't have before i met them mm. I, I didn't know a, a lot of uh women of color female creatives mm. that i could kind of feel at home with and i mm. and i only knew mostly male musicians male industry people and it, it made such a difference for me and how I viewed my relationship with women and mm. yeah. making an effort to work with them and I think yeah I think probably you're, you're spun a lot of stories imagine being that famous and being I that successful I can't even imagine I walked into the room 
Yes. And then uh, I'll show you the video afterwards. Ooh. But, um, <laughs> but um, I'd like to sneeze a little video. But basically, her car pulled up this massive SUV. And <laughs> well, then windows. everyone, like these, like kind of the men in black, got out the front. Yeah. <laughs> and then they were like, everyone outside, everyone outside. And then um, she basically opened the door. Well, someone opened the door for her. And then, like, all of the paparazzi just swarmed on her. And I was like, I can't even imagine. It's like those videos of, you know, that we used to see in 2007 of mm. Britney and like Lindsay yeah. Lohan walking down the street. It's like, how do you deal with that level of fame? I barely deal with that. And I've got 1% of that. Mm. Like, you know, like if a paparazzi is following me down the street, it's just one of them. <laughs> then I just like feel freaked out. And so like my private space invaded and it's like pictures that I'm not going to get, you know, any yeah. royalties for. It's like whatever. But um, And when you realise people do stuff like punch paparazzi, you're like, I kind of understand why. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're really annoying. You know, like the no Kardashians boundaries. getting like chased down the yeah, street. Kim it's said insane. when she was on the way to hospital, the paparazzi almost made one of the ambulances crash because they were chasing right? her. You know what I mean? That's insane. It's, it's crazy. So, I mean, I completely understand that you become a little bit numb to reality. I mean, yeah. I had the whole of the world's press like yep. trying, like smearing me, and yep. like I barely coped. My, I just gone into autopilot and I was like, okay, I need to like turn this into something because I knew that I was right. Of course you I were. didn't I didn't have any doubt in my mind. I kind of felt, well, should I have said anything? And then I was like, no. no. You know, like people are going to understand eventually. Mm. And I just kept on going and going and going. And then I was like, you know what? I actually don't have anything to be ashamed of. And I think it was really other black women rallying behind me and um, just always being there and just providing, you know, strength and perspective when I didn't really have it. So I honestly feel that if it wasn't for the uh, for black women rallying behind me, then I wouldn't have had the perspective Word. or been able to um, see the situation for what it was and not how it made me feel. Oh, black oh, women gosh. continue to save the world, and it's not even our job to. And probably I've seen <laughs> yeah. in your, I've seen in one of your music uh, was, videos was, where you really do push female solidarity. And there's a video where there's so many women, and there's like a car, yeah. and there's women in the car, and there's women all video lined is up. Dope. Yeah. Video is dope. Yeah, yeah, and dope. it's just celebrating the divine feminine. Um, another thing as well is that there's such a bias against women in terms of you know people thinking that we can't emotionally respond to things properly, which is why the industry is full of men making decisions for um, us. The world. Is is full of you know men making decisions of what we can do with our bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't see those decisions decisions being pushed on men. You don't you don't see men being told, yeah, you know, you're not allowed to ejaculate at this particular time. Because <laughs> I'll, I'll beg to differ, you know, a little bit. There's a, there's a, I'm not I'm not saying it's equal. Obviously, <laughs> it's not equal. I'm just saying I beg. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not, I, I wasn't yeah. no, I'm saying on. I think men equally do have certain societal pressures that do impact on their mental health. I think toxic masculinity. Is yeah, I mean, hundred percent. You and um, Chidera were talking before, and she was like. Oh, when I had a breakdown, and um, you said you had a breakdown prior. You said just yes. had emotion, and you said I just sat there and cried, and and you, she was like crying was good. Do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm saying, like, as a man, yeah. Yeah, I was just like, why would crying? So what are you was doing? You punch walls? I'll be honest <laughs> with you, like. <laughs> I've, I've been. I've my, known people that have punched things. I'm not. I'm not aggressive. Like I'll be honest. I've been with my wife for like ten years now, eight years in a relationship, totally. Yeah. And I feel like she she probably put on one hand the how many times amount of times you see me cry. 
Like, do you get what I'm so saying? So how do you do? Because you you have a child, so there's a lot of intense and fluctuating emotions that you uh, have. Yeah, when you have a child, you melt. Like all of that, like, you can't <laughs> hold no emotions no more. Wow. It's kind of like um like your bladder for emotion just becomes weak. Like you know, when you yeah. have a child, it, it changes up. But yeah, and, and I guess so fatherhood has softened you. Hundred percent. And okay. I think that's that that's an emotional connection with like both women and children where you Ooh. actually I think that's a lot of men have trouble with toxic masculinity when they don't have strong female figures, mm. strong male figures, fa- like yeah. strong family units, I think as well. Like they don't have, have anyone to share those emotions with. And I guess a child doesn't allow you to to hold anything back. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. They ask for all your attention. Yeah, I'll be watching something on TV and I'll be tearing up. Like I'll be I'm I'm close to tears. And I'm like, and that's because I have a child. Before that it was like this is just a program and I was watching yeah. and I was thinking why am I so emotional oh, but so it definitely happens definitely definitely I, d- I think that we definitely do need to be thinking about you know the, the pressures put on men because then they affect women yeah for sure oh, yeah. Yeah. we've seen that <laughs> we've seen that with the way um, rest in pieces dear soul Mac Miller the way his suicide is being handled publicly in terms of how people are responding to, to Ari- it yeah. people are Ari- saying making it all about Ariana um, but that girl has had the hardest two she years has. yeah she's been God, yeah. she's really been through it. And there are so many moving parts in this conversation because for those who are actual, you know, Mac Miller fans, they will know that he has been quite open about his tumultuous relationship mm. with drugs and his mental health. And, you know, people are realising quite recently that Ariana, during that relationship, was, you know, for a while saving him. And as much as I think that's a lot of strength that she's put into that relationship, it really, really bugs me because women are always put in the position where we have to be saving people, almost like it's our responsibility. Poppy, I'm sure you have, you know, a similar experience too. Yeah, and also just I feel strongly about in terms of representation. When I'm making music videos, we had a a kind of brief recently where I was writing a video and, and... it was like the idea of having someone else rescue or save someone else. And I was like, I don't want it to be an older woman or a woman at all because I don't want to have the picture that a woman nurtures a man or saves a man or looks after a man because it's it's not helpful. And I think it's that like representation is so important when we look at these things because I remember once I, I was doing something for someone, an ex partner and they were like, and I was just like getting annoyed with them. And they were like, yeah, but like girlfriends like being like mums. And Whoa! Like, what? No. like how society got you messed yeah, up? Yeah, like how did you how did you get into that place? <laughs> Are you my thought, child? I enjoyed doing everything for you. No, I don't. You just can't do it yourself. <laughs> so yeah. I have to. And it's really interesting how how things are internalized yeah, and how I'm women sure. are internalized as givers and nurturers and and savers a lot of the time and we feel guilty if we don't do those things you're right and i'm learning to take on the role of saving myself and taking responsibility for the outcome of my own life Mm -hmm. and being able to understand that whilst there will always be things that happen that are out of my control i can choose the way i respond to Mm. them but more importantly i can let myself tell that story and monroe fun fact about you is that you practice witchcraft right yeah and i one thing yeah oh wow you're scaring me i was actually gonna ask you about that because I saw it on your bio, innit? And I said, because I'm from West Africa, innit? Is it on you know my I mean? bio? Um, <laughs> it wasn't in your... Yeah, but... <laughs> Maybe you said because you said it feels like it's it's more it prioritizes like religion is kind of you said it's kind of more male dominated. Male centric. Yeah. Yeah. Serves yeah, sure. men. Yeah, well, West so, Africa's where 
That's, that's what I'm saying. So if someone says <laughs> they practice witchcraft right now, I'm but saying But you know like, what I'm interested in, Sully, is that your first response, your instinct knee-jerk reaction was that you're scared. Yeah, and yeah. Why, why is it why is it that you were scared about hearing that Monroe practices witchcraft? Is it because, A, maybe in the world we see witchcraft as something that's dark and terrible? You, you know or that, is it because the, it's the a woman? Fear, the fear of witchcraft originates because men didn't trust women congregating <laughs> together. <laughs> and the whole premise, they... The whole premise of witchcraft being something evil is because it cent- it centers women, mm. and the men of these older societies didn't trust women. It's the old divide and conquer. Mm. It's like that's why they didn't allow slaves to read, because once slaves mm. could read, then they could figure out an exit strategy. So that's where the fear of um, and that's all over the world. Oh no, but I. Yeah. I I think with that to to just um to to kind of like juxtaposition that, but because when you say witchcraft, like I, I I can see where you're coming from. It's the same way when people say black magic. You know, what I mean, for me, a lot of Which African traditionalism is like a lot of our fingers being defined as black magic because the Western world couldn't appreciate. But why you know why do we so, why is witchcraft scary? And, oh no, that's and what I'm saying. Wizardry. Oh, that's what I'm saying. I want to finish my point. Ooh, that's what I'm yes. saying. Because I was and I, so when I say black magic, so, I feel like, out here reading Harry Potter. I feel like there's. If you're talking about like when in Africa, there's people that practice spiritual magic in the sense mm. that they sacrifice animals. You know what I mean? They yeah. do blood. They do some some heinous things in the name of a spiritual kind of like just like Christianity. Yeah, the same yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Just like For religion. Sure. You get what I'm For saying? Sure. But so, you don't have to do that. No, I don't think you have to do that. That's what I was asking. So okay, when you then, said okay. you practice witchcraft, I'm saying are you practicing witchcraft? Okay, so or are you practicing witchcraft. You but witchcraft, witchcraft. He wants witchcraft. to know clarity. whether you're sacrificing things. I want to know how real it's getting. For clarity, for clarity, Monroe, what does your practice entail for people that are really curious about what your version of witchcraft is? Because there are so many misconceptions flying around. There are no chickens being killed. But if I was, then, you know, fair enough. There's animal sacrifice in every single major religion in the world. As as a Muslim, yeah, we sacrifice. I had to. um, Sorry, so I cut you off again. No, it's fine. But like, as a Muslim, like you're, you're, you can only eat certain meats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And certain meats that are killed certain ways. So how is that any different to me? And um, a prayer is said as well. You know, and like utilizing all of the animal. Like Mm. if I, I see witchcraft as a very misunderstood thing for a very clear reason Mm -hmm. and the term black magic was coined because of the fear Mm -hmm. of who was practicing that magic Mm -hmm. it was a religion that was largely of the people that were enslaved and yeah and it's a power. Christian- yeah, it's a power. It's a source of, you know, if these Christian missionaries going over and these, like, you mm. know, colonizers going over and seeing something that they see as scary, which was black people. And we still see white people scared of black people, but they didn't know what they were doing, you know? Yeah. So the notion of black magic is something is an idea that's just going to have swelled out of fear. <laughs> but, like, you know, that's, that's that. 
just before um, we kind of wrap up this entire discussion I just wanted to ask Poppy Monroe like is there anything you guys want to discuss Poppy obviously as a musician you've always got like content coming out is there anything that we should be looking out for in terms of like releases you know projects you know videos Nike campaints you know <laughs> get that <Good> coin <laughs> um, my EP's coming out soon have you got is it okay if we hear the name of it what's the name of the EP is that, is Ooh, that... I don't know if I'm okay, oh. I'm going to say it and then you might have to cut it out later <laughs> no, no, don't, say it, don't worry let's keep the suspense um, but an EP's coming soon yeah, is that going to be this year or early yeah, next yeah, year yeah yeah this year it's coming out very Jeez. soon and I'm um, doing like a, a a special music video <gasps> thing for it that wow. I don't want to say too much about wow. Um, and yeah, and, and my headline show, my next headline show is at Jazz Cafe on the oh, 14th dope. of November. Make sure you're there. Exciting. Yeah, I've told you all now, so if you're not there, I'm going to be cussing. Exciting. Yeah. <laughs> Monroe, what can we expect from you? You're so, always doing bits. Yeah, so I'm basically working on my first book. Oh, wow. <gasps> Oh, yeah. I'm so excited. So this is major. We're working Congratulations. On working out how that's going to look and um, TED Talk. Uh, uh, y'all heard that. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, I won't say when that's happening, but that's happening um, within the year. Oh, wow. And um, also working on a talk show format. Jeez. So, gonna be delving into Oprah territory. That is that is the mood. Oh, honey. Oprah is the mood for 2019. Mm-hmm. Trans Oprah. Mm. Oh, yes. thank you for that. I'll settle for Tyra Banks. Oh. <laughs> so, how this show works is that every time before we wrap up, we ask every single person in the room to say something that they have learnt today because. As much as this is all about having important discuss- discussions, what's more vital is that we understand that the aim here is to learn and take away something that we can apply in our own life. So I guess I'll start with something that I've learned today. I've learned from Monroe that self-sabotage is something that is a sign that you are entering a really dark episode of your mental health because it's about you trying to put yourself in a position where you are familiar with bad things happening to you so that you can have a reason to feel sad so that you can have a reason to feel like your life isn't going well and it gives you an opportunity to I guess wallow rather than taking power back into your hands because it's really really hard to choose to be positive and it's really really hard to do the right thing you need to do for yourself which is to push and power through what about you Silly what have you learned today um, I think Poppy actually educated me about Baldwin it was more like of a reaffirmation of the fact that like people people everyone seems strong in it people seem strong in it but behind the scenes you don't really know the 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 different um issues that they're going through mentally you know what i mean so I think that was quite enlightening to me. And obviously we had an interesting discussion about witchcraft. Oh, which, yes, which I we'll conti- that. Which we're going to continue sometime. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah, so that, I, I actually enjoyed, that, that was actually very enlightening to me, actually. Yeah. What about you, Poppy? What did you learn today? The fact that you kind of never know what situation you'll find yourself in and how important it is to have support in your yes. life. Because you never know when you might say the wrong quote-unquote thing mm. and everything goes crazy and and you actually really need people that you can trust and that you care about and I think women around you and I think that's sometimes we forget when we're in a very kind of neoliberal individualist society that we feel like we have to do everything ourselves and if you have any help from anyone you're not uh you're not uh entrepreneur or you're not of course yeah and um I think realizing that you can share everything you have and you'll still have as much as you had before mm-hmm. is a really important thing that I've learned today. Amazing. Monroe, what have you learned today? Um, I learned from Poppy that the way, well, reaff- 
probably reaffirmed to me that the way that people may act is um, a lack of role models or lack of being exposed to that kind of energy Mm. and how um, we don't really talk about how men can't really process emotions in the same way sometimes. So I think it's just a a reaffirming that we need to think a little bit more about each other before getting frustrated with each other. Yeah, which yeah. I feel, yeah. I, do, I, I think that that obviously has its boundaries of emotional of labor. Yeah, <laughs> well, we do have to look out for each other. But I do feel that, you know, we all have an impact on each other. And yes. um, it's, it's extremely important to bear in mind that we all have our own journey. Completely agree with you that there is a major impact and that every single person is affected by the conversation to do with mental health. And so if you've been listening and you've been affected by anything we've discussed in this episode, you are not alone. And there are so many charities that are available and willing to listen to you. There is Mind, which can be reached via social media or directly on 0208 192122. And there is also LGBT switchboard which again can also be accessed via social media online and also via 0207 837 6768 thank you so much for listening oh my gosh this has been such an incredible episode I'm really glad we had this conversation can you imagine we discussed everything from witchcraft (laughs) to toxic masculinity to suicide to race and we all come from different aspects of life I mean, Sully's Muslim, Munro's out here practicing witchcraft, but yeah, we were able to, we were able, no, but the thing is we were able to have a really rounded grown-up conversation where we were able to not just learn from each other, but also be able to discuss difficult things. So this is proof that people can come from different walks of life and still be able to learn from each other. Amen. 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 A new year is full of surprises, but one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take care of orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM.